Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. After this, uh, at our normal time of 7 o'clock, and go over WrestleMania in its entirety. WrestleMania, a uh, little bit of the Raw SmackDown after Mania, and then obviously um, NXT. But that will be the next thing. This is all Ring of Honor. And uh, one of our guests uh, that we're about to have on uh, is uh, currently with the organization of Ring of Honor. Um, he has won 20 total championships between TNA, Ring of Honor, and New Japan, with four reigns as TNA X Division champion, six reigns as NWA World Tag Team champs, two reigns as TNA World Tag Team champions for TNA, and then one reign as Ring of Honor World Television champion, four reigns as Ring of Honor World Tag Team champions, one reign as Ring of Honor World champion, and is currently uh, one of the six-man tag team champions, making him the first um, the first Grand Slam winner in the company also has an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion. Our guest tonight is Christopher Daniels, the Almighty, the Fallen Angel, the Ring General, and the King of the Indies himself. Thank you for Christopher Daniels for being with us tonight, sir. And I'm going to pass it to my co-host, Christopher, to start off this interview. Okay, sounds good. Chris, are you, are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, oh, I'm yes, sorry. Dave, I am. Oh, I'm sorry. I was also called Christopher. <laughs> uh, that was kind of confusing. We're both here. Yeah, yeah we're both here. Um, first off, congratulations on your title win. And uh, I am super honored to have you on the show. You've been one of my favorites for a long time. So it's, it's awesome to get oh, a chance to talk so to you. Thank you. Um, how, I guess going right into it, how was your WrestleMania weekend? I know you had a lot of travel going on from uh, New Japan over back over – uh, to the United States for this huge match you just had at uh, Supercard of Honor. Um, how was the travel, and uh, what was kind of your preparation over the weekend, and did you get to see anything cool while you were in New Orleans? Absolutely not, man. We we actually flew into Louisiana on Friday afternoon just preparing for the show Saturday, and uh, that was it. We were out Sunday morning by 6 a.m., so uh, we were just there for literally less than 48 hours. But we were there for the important part of it, which was Supercard of Honor. So, uh, yeah, man, just a, it was a whirlwind weekend for us. Very cool. You guys had an absolutely amazing match, and it kind of just made me wonder what kind of preparation goes into, you know, these 
three-way tag matches versus, you know, a standard tag match or a singles match, and then you throw in the fact that it's a ladder match for the title, um, do you prepare yourself any differently, or is it kind of just your standard, you guys know what you're doing, you get in there and do your thing? Well, I mean, it's 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 never standard when you start to add any sort of paraphernalia into an actual wrestling match like ladders or tables or, or any sort of uh, plunder like that. Um, it's never just the, you know, business as usual. Um, you know, the, the trick comes into trying to find uh, different ways to go into the things that people sort of expect out of a ladder match. Um, you know, the climbing, the bumping, all that stuff. Um, you're just trying to find different ways to sort of use the ladder in a safe way, uh, uh, in a way that hasn't been done before, if you can help it. And it's tough because there's so many creative guys uh, that have had these ladder matches in the past. But, um, you know, I feel like uh, we've, we've put our mark on ladder matches in the past couple of years, especially myself and Frankie and the Young Bucks. I feel like uh, whenever any of us are in the position of having a ladder match, I feel like we, uh, we rise to the challenge and we go out and we put on entertaining stuff and, and, and memorable matches. Agreed, 100%. I've uh, followed you and Frankie Kazarian for a long time, even going back to uh... – TNA when you were carrying around your martini glasses, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, it was an incredible match. I really enjoyed it. I uh, urge all of our fans to go out and, if they haven't already, check out Supercard of Honor, um, the SoCal Uncensored versus, of course, Flip Gordon and the Young Bucks. I, I think that you guys had one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend, which was a ton of wrestling to consume, so um, it was amazing just overall to watch you Thank guys you get much. in there. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I know you guys. Uh, I, it was a, you guys had a pretty big draw. I, I know the attendance was around six thousand, and and you just once again w- was working over in Tokyo. And I was kind of curious. Uh, I know you've worked smaller arenas, obviously really large arenas. Uh, as a musician myself, I know that a lot of times I, I kind of prefer some of the more intimate places I've played. I'm just curious. Uh, do you prefer the larger venues with more people, or do you like wrestling in front of smaller crowds, or, or do you even have a preference? Um, I'm good either way. I think there's positives and negatives to both. I mean, certainly, um, ring uh, for Supercard of Honor, for example, over 6,500 tickets sold. Um, you can't help but enjoy the energy created by 6,500 rabid fans that came up from all over the world to sort of see what you got to, to, to offer. But, I mean, I've also been in smaller venues with 500 people, and that 500, that intimate setting, it's sort of uh, – it sort of collapses in on itself where you've got the energy of the people just sort of compounding and compounding and, and sort of colliding in the middle of that ring. So, I mean, either way though, man, it really depends on just how energized the fans are. Um, you know, you can go out there in front of, you know, 5,000 people and if they're sitting on their hands and they're not interested in what you're doing. Um, it can feel like you're all alone out there, but uh, you know, we've been very fortunate in the past, couple of years now that Ring of Honor has had such a buzz about the product that people are really energized and really excited to see the guys coming down the aisle for, for Ring of Honor. And then, you know, we give them something to be excited about once the bell rings. Cool. Um, this is going to be kind of a random question thrown in, but uh, it's just always been a question of mine watching you and Frankie for so long. Uh, do you guys have a favorite tag team or, or a tag team that inspired you? 
going back, you know, through any time period during wrestling, uh, maybe not necessarily a favorite, but, uh, you know, a couple that inspired you. Well, certainly. I, I think Frankie and I would have different answers only because we grew up watching different products. I mean, Frankie, um, you know, he grew up watching the World Wrestling Federation, so his answer is probably going to be, you know, people like the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. But me, myself, growing up in North Carolina, watching Jim Crocker Promotions, um, my top tag teams were definitely guys like the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, the Road Warriors. And that was the sort of uh, essentially Rock and Roll versus the Midnights. Um, and both both versions of the Midnights, uh, Dennis and Bobby, and then Bobby and Stan Lane. I mean, that was uh, that was top-notch tag team wrestling back in the day. And certainly that style of tag team wrestling between the Rock and Rolls and the Midnights, um, that sort of set the stage for guys like Frank and myself uh, to, to uh, you know, they, they set a standard that we try to meet every time we get in a ring. Awesome. Um, and just to go ahead and throw it out there, you were in one of my favorite feuds of all time in TNA. It uh, basically was you, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe going at it almost, it seemed almost throughout the entire year up to the Super X Cup. Uh, and, or yeah, I believe it, it may have, uh, it came, I guess it started out with Joe winning the Super X Cup, and then it was throughout the rest of that year, I should say. Um, how much of that was creative, is, and how much of that was you guys behind the scenes as far as the storyline goes and, and where you guys were able to take it? Because, I mean, you guys had some absolute amazing matches, but I, I thought the feud itself with just such three such high-level performers was incredible. And I think it's a feud that doesn't get talked about a lot, so just wanted to put it on the air for the fans. Well, honestly, um, the the creative part of that, it really was uh, a matter of the people at TNA that sort of set the table. But, I mean, as far as our chemistry between the three of us, um, that was really just us. I mean, uh, AJ and I, we had already been wrestling at that point against each other across the independent team. And uh, the same thing with Joe and myself. And I think Joe and AJ, once they sort of met and, and wrestled a couple times, they quickly became very used to working with each other. And then, you know, the opportunity for the three of us to sort of uh, feud in between each other and, and the three of us all together having triple threat matches, um, that really was the, the, the icing on the cake for that. Um, I, I was just fortunate enough to be involved with two such talented guys as AJ and Joe. And, um, yeah, I felt like our chemistry really was one of the reasons why. Uh, I, I feel when people talk about the best match TNA ever produced uh, – we get talked about a lot, the, the 2005 uh, unbreakable main event. That usually gets picked like easily top three of TNA's uh, history. And, and a lot of people say the best. So, I mean, it's very, uh, it's very humbling for, for a company that's been around for 15, almost 16 years like TNA. And to know that uh, people still look back at that one match as, as you know, the, the, the upper echelon of its, of its product. Agreed. That was that was an incredible match and definitely one of my favorite through that time period. But uh, obviously, I don't want to hog you the entire time. I know my co-host is dying to ask you some questions, so I'm going to throw it over to Dane and uh, let him ask some stuff. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. God, Chris, you're so rude. Taking forever. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to get confusing because you think that I'm talking to you, Christopher, but I'm actually talking to my co-host. Too many Chris's. I'm Dane. It's uh, very much more simplistic in nature. Um, all right. So, yeah, I have some questions for you. Um, 
I mean, I'm gonna this this question. You know, my co-host kind of went to the tag stuff, and I'm obsessed with influence, and mostly because I'm a mark that likes to play video games and fantasy books, but also just like you know, uh, my favorite musicians of nowadays like to find out their favorite musicians that they were the ones that I also listened to, and and so when it comes to you and your gimmick, the Fallen Angel, um, and also style-wise, what wrestlers do you think lent uh, a little bit of them? Um, well, first of all, um, as far as me as a wrestler in the first place, I'd have to uh, mention Sean Waltman. I mean, uh, when I was growing up uh, watching Jim Crockett promotions and, and that sort of stuff, you know, the guys, the top guys at that point were, were guys like Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors, you know, these, these guys that were 280, 300 pounds, that, uh, you know, larger-than-life guys. And um, as I was growing up, I never thought that there was actually a possibility that I would uh, get to be that of that stature. But then, um, you know, as I grew older and Sean Waltman became uh, prevalent on the independent scene and, and then went into WWE, he was the first guy that I saw that showed me that you didn't have to be 240 pounds, you know, six foot two. You know, Sean was a smaller guy compared to those guys, but he went in there and um, he, uh, he, he held his own. And so uh, that was the first that was the first time that I entertained the possibility of even becoming a professional wrestler. And then, um, you know, once I started training, certainly someone like Shawn Michaels uh, was someone that I tried to pattern my style after. Another guy who um, wasn't as big as a lot of the guys he was wrestling against, but certainly used his speed and his agility to his advantage um, against the bigger opponents. Um, and then as far as like the fallen angel, the gimmick itself, um, I, I've always said that, uh, the idea of that character was sort of born out of my respect for Goldust. Um, Goldust took a facet of humanity, um, people's feelings about their own sexuality, and he sort of threw it out there uh, knowing that it was going to reach everybody, no matter who they were or what their background was. Um, everybody had their own, uh, their own ideas and their own mentality about sexuality. And I felt like good Dustin, um, you know, took that, and use that character to sort of push buttons across the board. And me personally, I thought, um, you know, the idea of religion was something that everybody, no matter who you are, had a, uh, a strong feeling about. And so that was my mentality in creating the fallen angel. Game. That's very cool. I, I never picked and, up. And uh, yeah, definitely. Sean Waltman as the one, two, three, three kid, I feel, and I've, I've made this comparison. I feel like Will Ospreay, is kind of similar in that concept to today's wrestling, uh, just being one of the youngest guys doing stuff that a lot of people, you know, can't do, frankly, and, uh, you know, just still pulling out the odds and being that, that talking trash type of person. But I love those comparisons, um, especially the Goldust stuff. I love Dustin Rhodes. I wish, I wish you would get a bigger push, obviously, now, but we're not talking about that stuff. Also, anyone listening, and including you, Chris, I apologize. Apparently, I was having some audio problems, so I'm without a headset right now, but we'll uh, continue into the questions. Um, you know, uh, going into your match that you just had, uh, it's a good example. You are really good at doing singles matches, you know, technical matches that are much more in-depth to that style of actual wrestling, and then also ladder matches where you guys do some crazy creative stuff. My question to you is, as a wrestler, do you like to, you know, go over things ahead of time and really trying to 
not like Macho Man where you have five notepads full of stuff, but try to figure things out, or do you like to go in the ring and call a lot of stuff in the ring? Um, well, I feel like the best wrestlers in the world do a little bit of both. I mean, you uh, yeah. when it comes to things like ladder matches and stuff, it's really hard to try and go into the ring, um, you know, side and scene and try and call all that stuff on the fly. It just doesn't lend itself well to telling a piece of story, especially when you've got more than two guys in the ring. I mean, going in and calling a match between one guy and another, um, that's pretty I don't want to say easy, but uh, comparatively speaking, it's very simple. You've got two guys working sort of at, the, uh, you know, on that same page, but then the more people you add into it and then you turn it into, uh, you, you also add the, the difficulty of, um, you know, adding ladders or, or any sort of, uh, any sort of stunt style uh, situations. Um, it, it gets harder and harder to try and, do that stuff sort of uh, impromptu. So um, for ladder match, for that ladder match, um, you know, we all sort of got together and had an idea of what was possible and what we could do differently from the ladder matches that had come before. And, um, you know, and again, like I said, like the creativity of guys like the Young Bucks and myself and Frankie, and, and not to discount Scorpio Sky and Flip Gordon at all, but, um, you know, we all had different ideas and, and we come to the table to try and figure out the best way to, you know, bring the crowd along on that roller coaster ride, get them, uh, get them emotionally invested in the possibility of who's going to win that match and who's going to come out of it um, as the six-man tag team champions. Absolutely. Another question um, that has two sides to it. You've been both a face and a heel throughout your profession. Uh, currently, you're a heel. You're the general. Which one do you prefer playing? I don't really have a real preference. I mean, I've, I see the benefit of both sides of it, and I've certainly had my success on both sides of that coin. Um, honestly, I feel like it's a little bit easier to be a heel um, in the sense that you're not looking for people's uh, – uh, you don't need their support. You, you're trying to go against them. So I, I feel like they're, they're – uh, their gratification you don't necessarily need as a heel. You're, you're looking to be the antagonist and, and, and uh, you know, build the person apart across the ring from you. But, I mean, also at this point in my career, too, being as experienced as I am, I feel like that sort of lends itself to me to be the heel as well, having that experience and sort of knowing how to dictate, um, you know, the ebb and flow of the match. Uh, and helping to build the babyface up for me, that that uh, it sort of lends itself to being the villain. But um, you know, also too, I feel like someone, you know, a lot of my fans have seen me over the course of 25 years, and I feel like I've built up a modicum of respect. So I feel like when the time comes for me to become uh, a babyface, I feel like there's a lot of respect that I can build on with the fan base that have followed me for so long. And um, it, I don't want to say again it's easy, but I, I feel like it makes it simpler for me to try to appeal to that crowd based off of the, the trials and tribulations that they've seen over the course of my career. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't, at at a certain point, since you've been in the industry for so long, that makes sense because it doesn't matter if you're healed towards the end, like Chris Jericho, this happens to him all the time. People are going to like you because they appreciate 
you know, your wrestling ability and what you've done for the industry. So that makes complete sense. Um, just got like one, one more question for you. Um, throughout the course of your career, who is one wrestler that you could have crossed paths with? Maybe you guys were in the same organization at the same time, but you never got a chance to that you would really love to wrestle in the future. Um, Bob, there's not really a whole lot of guys uh, that sort of tick that box for me. I mean, other, I mean, the main one, uh, I never got a chance to cross paths with, with Chris Jericho. Um, I've always said that, um, you know, he's someone that I emulated in my career and the guy who's as a sort of set the example of how to sort of reinvent yourself and keep yourself relevant in the world of professional wrestling, which is sometimes hard to do. You know, it's very easy to sort of create a persona for yourself and sort of ride that from the beginning to the end. But Chris has been someone who has, you know, evolved over the course of his long career and, um, you know, shown different facets of his character from one point to the next. And um, that's something that I've strived to do, um, you know, over the course of my 25-year career. And so I feel like there are a lot of similarities between Chris and myself. And it would be, you know, a, a great privilege to have an opportunity to wrestle him at some point in my career. Um, and whether or not that happens uh, remains to be seen. I think you guys would have a fantastic match. That would be amazing. Um, I've, I've heard uh, from people that you're a big uh, comic movie fan. Is that true? Uh, yeah, comic book fan. And, and I, I don't think there's there's any anyone that's not a comic fan that's not also a fan of the movies that have been coming out, especially the Marvel stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely me starting as a comic fan and being so appreciative to all these movies that have come out, uh, specifically the Marvel movies. I think that's, I thought I'd switch it up and just ask you as the last question, what's a character that you have not seen for Marvel or DC or whatever put towards the big screen that you think has a lot of potential if they actually make a theatrical movie for it? Um, wow, that's a tough one, man. I, I feel like the, the first thing that comes to my mind is Adam Warlock. And uh, I think that's just a matter of time. What with all the focus on Thanos and, and uh, the characters that uh, Jim Starlin sort of made, uh, you know, so iconic over the course of his career, um, you know, with Infinity War coming out next month and uh, the tease for, for, Adam in the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I feel like there's a big possibility that you'll be seeing him sooner rather than later. And it'll be interesting to see how he's different from the comic books. And, um, you know, especially with as many different uh, iterations that there have been of Adam Warlock over the course of uh, his existence as a character, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the film side of of Marvel and... uh, how they interact, how they uh, sort of inject him into the story that they've already got going on with Thanos and the Infinity Stones and all of that. Absolutely. And the thing is, from what the Russo brothers say, at least, we're not going to see him in Infinity War, which is fine. It doesn't have to be an exact adaptation, but he was a huge part of it. And I'm also a huge Adam Warlock fan. I was hoping the last stone was a part of, you know, going to be on his forehead, but apparently not. But I think we'll definitely see that character in the future. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Uh, We'd love to have you back on Wrestling Geeks Alliance to do a longer interview, be able to pick your brain, talk about some more geeky stuff. Uh, And we also have a show on Sundays, Geek Vibes Live. I know that you have 
a lot going on. But Sunday night, if you ever want to come on and chat about some uh, some uh, comic movies or anything like that, definitely let us know. We'd love to have you back. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys' time, and uh, I'd like to say thanks to all your listeners uh, for supporting me over the course of my career. Um, I always say if it wasn't for the the support of my fans, I wouldn't be where I am today, and so I appreciate it, and and thanks for having me on the show. All right, man. Last thing uh, before you leave, uh, do you mind doing a drop for us? Sure. Um, It can be – I'll give you an example. You can say – Hey, this is Christopher Daniels, uh, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. If you want to, you know, add anything to that, go for it. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Yes, sir. Is that it? Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Okay. Yep. All right, hold on. This is almighty Christopher Daniels, also known as the Fallen Angel, and I'm a national treasure and inspiration to children everywhere and the man with the rear that makes the girls cheer. And you are listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You're welcome. Christopher, thank you so much. I love it thank because you. I've interviewed, uh, I've interviewed, uh, you know, voice actors and actors, and they just kind of give me like a normal thing. I've realized that any of the wrestling guests, you guys always go into promo mode, and I really appreciate that. That was probably the best one we've had. No sweat, man. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. No problem, Thanks, man. Uh, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon in the future, sir. Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. Bye, bye, guys. No problem. All right, guys, we're switching over. i got to do a couple changes. Bear with us. Uh, Mr. Brother Ray will undoubtedly tell you some wonderful stories while I'm doing this. And uh, how did you feel about the interview? I thought it was awesome. Christopher Daniels, obviously, great guy. Would definitely like to get him on and pick his brain um, even more. A guy that's had... 25 years in the business and has pretty much done it all and had some of my favorite matches specifically during, you know, from 2005 up to 2010 when I believe WWE was their product was kind of dead and TNA's product doing something a lot different. And a lot of that's on the backs of people like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels. And, and obviously AJ Styles gets credit for a lot of it. Um, but Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, as I said, had one of the best feuds I've seen in the past 20 years. And I think Christopher Daniels is one of the best wrestlers I've seen in the past 20 years. And it was really great seeing him pick up the title and, you know, uh, debatably having uh, one of the best matches, if not the best match of all of the WrestleMania weekend. He had some stiff competition with Gargano and Ciampa in NXT, but outside of that, I think it was one of the better matches of the weekend, which obviously we're going to talk about a little later, but just overall, it's super Super nice to talk to him, and uh, I was I was a little nervous, man. Felt like I was about to go to prom for the first time or something. But to you know to spin spin a tail, uh, it's you know right now they're the uh, they're the uh, three way tag team champions. So there's going to be a lot more great matches. Hopefully, we'll get to see a rematch between uh, Flip Gordon, and the Young Bucks, uh, to recreate the magic that they had over the weekend and uh, definitely Ring of Honor TV. And uh, welcome back, Dane. Uh, how did you feel about happened. the interview? I'm having issues with my phone. I'm having issues with my headphones. Uh, sorry about all the technical difficulties, guys. Um, Chris, uh, 
I guess now makes the most sense. We're going to have to kind of possibly edit this, but that's okay. We had a great interview with Christopher Daniels, um, and we're going to have a great show after this. And now I kind of want to go over Supercard of Honor. Does that sound good, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds good, man. I uh, I spun into stories about Christopher Daniels while you are gone, so we'll see how much we actually have to oh. edit. <laughs> well, never mind what I just said, everyone. Um, but either way, <laughs> let's go over this amazing card. All right. I'm going to go down a little bit. We're going to start off right here. Uh, Kota Ibushi defeating Hangman Page. Saw it coming a mile away. These guys had extremely just – they just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I enjoyed it. I'm really starting to warm up, Chris, to Adam Page more and more. He's got like a very – I mean, for, for a guy that looks like a giant Stephen Amell, he's definitely got like more of a ferocity that reminds me of like a Stan Hansen, the way that he hits and – and connects and stuff like that. How did you like this match, and were you happy to see Kota go over? I was happy to see Kota Ibushi go over. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I wasn't a huge Hangman Page fan to begin with, and he's definitely grown over me, uh, grown on me over the past two, three months, and I, I thought they had a pretty good match. Um, definitely one of the better matches of the night, in my opinion, and uh, especially where it was placed on the card. I, I thought it was really, really well done. And it's just fun to see these New Japan guys and the Ring of Honor guys going back and forth. Uh, I know it's a lot of travel, but it's great to see them on both cards and kind of show up here and there. Uh, it's very entertaining. Hey, absolutely. Is my headset still making any noise at all? No, I mean, it was almost like you had a bad phone connection or something, um, which doesn't happen very often, but now that you've called back in, it, it seems fine, which is just weird. Well, at least it didn't do anything harmful to our wonderful interview um, all right, let's keep on going. Let's talk about this match. SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, who we just talked to, Frank Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky defeated Flip Gordon and the Young Butts. I mean, the whole entire story with, with the Bucks is that um, Nick Jackson has back issues. Uh, throughout the match, you can tell that it's causing him problems. I think he actually has them, if I'm not wrong, in real life, but they're you know using that also within the storyline. Uh, just this match was ridiculous. There was a spot that I really enjoyed where I believe Scorpio put the, or maybe it was Frankie, he put the ladder on his head, um, very much like a Terry Funk type of moment. Uh, and I think it was Cole Cabana that called that out. And then Flip Gordon, he went to hit him with it, and Flip jumped down, jumped back up Shawn Michaels style, jumped down, did the same exact thing a couple times before getting hit with it. It was very, uh, just, just very unique style things that they did with the ladder. Uh, there was this part that I didn't really get where Scorpio Sky wanted to take out the Young Bucks, but they were holding a ladder, and he basically did a swanton on top of the ladder. I mean, it hit them in the face, but he just, like, completely annihilated himself into the ladder. Uh, at one point, the Kingdom came out. They tried to intervene. They, of course, got their asses kicked. Um, like I said, there was a lot of great spots with ladders, obviously. And um, by the end of it, finally Christopher Daniels, who we just saw to, climbed the ladder and grab the championship belts and are still the six or the three man tag team champions of ring of honor. Chris, how'd you feel about this match? Uh, like I, like I said, uh, I, I kind of gushed over it a little bit. I, I think it was definitely one of the best matches of the entire weekend. I think you can throw it in the top five easily. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. I know a lot, some people will give it crap just because they're not young book fans, but I, I think that what the young bucks have been doing lately, um, 
the way Nick specifically has been selling in the ring. Uh, Kaz obviously was awesome. Uh, Christopher Daniels, who we just spoke to, I think did a great job throughout the match. I mean, it was just really entertaining. I also really enjoyed the spot that you were talking about where he was doing nip-ups uh, as the ladder spun, spun around. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just really a fun match. I think Flip Gordon looked great. I, I have no complaints about this match, honestly. I, I really enjoyed it. I need to go back and watch it a second time, um, honestly. It, it was pretty much like 24, 26 minutes of pure awesomeness, and I, I definitely recommend for the people that missed Supercard of Honor to, to go check it out because it was, it was a lot of fun. All right. Um, I kind of I almost forgot about this, but this was uh, the tournament finals for the inaugural Woman of Honor Championship. Sumi Saki defeated Kelly Klein. Uh, I was only able to catch this and not the ones that were the prelim matches. I don't even know if they were televised, actually. But it was a damn good match. Um, I swear to God, Chris, the women in Japan are just as impressive as the males in Japan. Uh, the Sumi is is great female wrestler, had a damn good match, and she won, making her the first Women of Honor champion. For sure. Um... It was really exciting. I did get a chance to check out some of the prelim matches, not all of them, uh, with so much wrestling coming around WrestleMania. It is really hard to just keep up with everything that's coming out, but I, I thought uh, Saki and uh, Dashwood had a, had a great match. Um, a little shorter than some of the other ones on the card, obviously, with the top of that card being so stacked. But for what they were able to accomplish, I, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. And I agree with you, some of the the Japanese female wrestlers that have been coming out recently and, and being brought to America and kind of being put in this really shows just how hard they work and how dedicated they are to their style of the ring. And it goes a long way. And I, I think women's wrestling in general has, has come a long way. And that's great to see specifically in America when you think about where it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. And I'm, I mean, this will, that conversation is going to continue throughout the whole night. Because I'm going to give you a little hint, Chris, and everyone else is listening. If they would have not had their main event at WrestleMania, what they had between Roman and Brock, and put the best match of the night there, which Charlotte and Asuka, I think it would be a different outcome with the, with the fan response. But, hey, that's just me. I was the one saying that along with Chris to begin with, but whatever. All right, uh, next match was an awesome, a freaking awesome match. Uh, the Briscoes, Mark and Jay Briscoe, defeated Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi to retain their tag team Ring of Honor championships. All right. Um, hard-hitting match. Both, of course, both Briscoe brothers just beating the crap out of these guys with Jay Lethal and, and Hiroshi. They both came back. Uh, there was obviously a crossbody, uh, high five flow to the outside, a lot of fun spots. Um, I, if, we get, if we get Jay on the phone, Chris, uh, when, I should say, when we get Jay Lethal, for an interview, you know, I, I watched a video, Christopher, of him and Delirious uh, reenacting uh, parts within a match. Him dressed as Macho Machismo. This was recently, actually. I think it was when Warrior passed away. And Delirious happened like the Warrior, and they redid that match between the two of them. Well, even though I do love that match, it was probably that and Hulk Hogan are the only two Walton Warrior matches I've ever really enjoyed, if you will. I need him and Hiroshi Tanahashi to do a match together where they reenact WrestleMania three between Savage and Steamboat and add to it if they want, take little parts, but I think they would do a great job. They did a great as a tag team. 
I knew they weren't going to win just because I knew this was like a little bit of flavor into the match, but it was still a lot of fucking fun. Did you enjoy watching the Briscoes take on Jay Lethal and Tanahashi? I did because it's almost one of those fantasy booking matches where you're like, well, who's a tag team I could put against uh, the Briscoes? And I think Ring of Honor has done a a great job of that lately (laughs) as far as bringing in uh, some of the New Japan talent. Uh, Jay Lethal and Hiroshi Tanahashi, obviously both great wrestlers, and the Briscoes are still still one of my favorite tag teams right now, probably in all the world. Them boys. Definitely in, in the United States. I think, you know, it probably goes Usos, Briscoes. Um, then probably, you know, New Day because they're just a lot of fun. But, uh, man, Mark and Jay Briscoe have been so good for so long, and this was a fun match. Uh, obviously, Tanahashi is not going not going to go as full speed as he normally would, I think, uh, being that he's got to stay healthy for, for New Japan. But outside of that, man, uh, it was great. And Mark and Jay, they are brutal in the ring, as 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 the Beer City Bruiser alluded to on a previous interview. Um but, I mean, it shows. I mean, it shows how, how dedicated they are and, you know, just how good they make everything look. Uh, obviously a good match. Uh, I think the downfall was it did come after that crazy ladder match between uh, SoCal Uncensored and Flip Gordon and the Young Bucks. But outside of that, man, I really enjoyed it. But it was kind of like a take-a-breath moment and then right into the Briscoes versus Jay Lee Tanahashi. If it was me, I probably would have separated it on the card a little bit. But I, I get why they did it the way they did. Absolutely. All right, next match. Um, before it could even start, this is Silas Young against Kenny King. Uh, Kenny King being the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Last man standing match. Austin Aries made an appearance. Uh, he had his two uh, impact belts, the Grand Slam and the actual World Heavyweight belt, and the several other belts he's gotten from different organizations. says, I'm not done. I want that TV title from Ring of Honor. Uh, I don't know if he's had that previously and it's like a title that means something to him or he just wants that title specifically. Um, He basically made a call to whoever wins. He's going to have – he wants to be the next one up basically at bat, which is kind of cool because this means that I'm assuming because of Don Callis, there's there's now a lot more lax between Impact wrestlers and uh, TNA and maybe hopefully New Japan wrestlers all at the same time. I would love it if, if all the other main companies could come together and be able to trade talent, much like they are now, but like past Evolve and, and, and a lot of the British ones, like Impact's a big name, even if it's been completely decimated compared to how it was. So it's cool to see him on there. He went and did commentary with Cole Cabana, and I forgot the other gentleman's name. Um, and this match was, I mean, them beating the shit out of each other once again. Just a, a back-and-forth match. Uh, Kenny King, I believe he did, he did something outside that was, that was very unlike his character. I want to say it was a uh, 450 um, into Silas Young. Uh, but, uh, of course, this inevitably ended because it's last man standing match. The Beer City Bruiser was hidden underneath the ring. Uh, Kenny King fell down right next to it. He grabbed him, pulled him under, wouldn't let him get up. They counted 10. Silas Young is the winner. Afterwards, they started beating the shit out of Kenny King, um, and Austin Aries ran over there to help him out, obviously causing some type of conflict between him and Silas Young, and this will probably lead up to a match where I'm actually hoping that Austin Aries has a Ring of Honor title and two TNA titles on him. I mean, Impact title, Tomato Tamale. How would you like the match, Chris? 
I thought it was a fun match. It was a cool appearance with uh, Austin Aries coming out. He is a former Ring of Honor world champion, I think two-time, actually, if I remember correctly. And uh, when he was in Ring of Honor, he was one of my favorite wrestlers. He's just such a great heel. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of role he plays. Uh, obviously, he's going to be going against Silas Young, and I wonder how they build to it. Or not Silas Young, but uh, I wonder how they, they're going to build to it. I'm assuming they're going to do some tag matches. Um with uh, Silas Young and Beer City Bruiser versus maybe Austin Aries and, and, and Kenny King possibly leading up to a match. So uh, it's it's exciting. I, I think it's a cool storyline. It's good to see Austin Aries back in Ring of Honor, it, it, just in any extent, whether it's full-time or not. It's just cool to see him back, especially if you're more of an old-school Ring of Honor fan. Uh, so it's, it's also cool to see Austin Aries having such success after kind of his weird leave from WWE and uh, I'm really happy for him. I'm looking forward to see what they do in the future. Yeah, me too. He was also calling out and he had a great match with um, Pentagon jr. And, uh, and uh, Phoenix at uh, Lucha versus impact. And he was actually talking crap to the Lucha underground champion Pentagon. So he's going after every title. I just think that's cool that he's spreading himself everywhere. And I mean, Austin Aries is one of the best, heels and in-ring wrestlers out of this generation so it's cool for him you know chris like a lot of wrestlers to get out of wwe and show what they got basically and um we'll continue uh we had a segment where cheeseburger was supposed to have a match uh he got attacked um bubba ray dudley came out uh to help him out or at least that's what we thought he ended up attacking cheeseburger and um the i i don't know if or the commissioner of the company, I'm, I'm not too sure what he was, came out to tell uh, Bully to get off him because he's beating the crap out of him. Bully ke- pulled a heel promo, uh, in basically saying that since he's now a Hall of Famer from the WWE, he represents the old school style of wrestling, which is awesome and ridiculous based on what made him famous uh, being a part of ECW and then the TLC matches in WWE, but whatever. We'll go with it. Uh, he said basically that people like Cheeseburger and Chucky e. T and Flip Gordon and Will Ospreay are destroying wrestling. And he threatened to give him a pile driver to end the show. Uh, he didn't have doing that. He gave him a huge powerbomb instead. And then Flip Gordon got him out of the ring. Uh, Cheeseburger, I mean, and brought him out of there. But uh, Bully's going full heel. How did you like that part? I did. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was at first. I, I didn't know where they were going with it. I thought it was going to be a one-off because you know Bully Ray had retired uh, while in Ring of Honor and kind of given a speech. And I, I thought that maybe he was done, but it'd be cool to come back, see him come back for some one-off dates. Um, I like the promo. It, it very much reminds me. God, why? Of course, my brain freezes up immediately. Oh man. Jim Cornette, the, uh, the, the king of old school, uh, Steve Carino, very much what like yeah. kind of a Steve Carino promo would be, um, which works. I think it works, especially with the way Twitter has been towards some of the more modern wrestlers, say like the Young Bucks or uh, you know Flip Gordon, more agile. I, I don't want to say like spot like spot wrestlers, because I think that's kind of an insulting term, but people who definitely have high spots in their match. Um, even going back, 
yeah, who danced different, obviously, than Bully Ray. And I don't think that he has a problem with it. And I, I really kind of like the promo. No. Like I said, it was very much, it did feel like a Steve Carino, king of, <laughs> you know, uh, king of old school kind of promo. But, you know, that that's not a bad thing. I, I like Steve Carino a lot, too. So it's interesting. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, but uh, it makes it worth tuning in to see, like, what's Bully Ray going to do on Ring of Honor? So. No, I'd love him to become the biggest villain because of that. Um, if he's going to embody that that type of stigma that people that I respect, but a lot of them have in the industry, like a Jim Cornette, um, of that type of attitude, I know he's not being sincere. If anything, he's kind of making a parody of it and saying, screw you, because, I mean, he wouldn't be working for Ring of Honor if he felt that way. Um, I mean, and not only that, but like I said, Bully Ray, the majority of his career, ECW. The other big chunk of it, was doing TLC matches and then all the other stuff in, in even in uh, in TNA and stuff like that. So anyone that really thought that he was being serious, he did a good job. He's he's damn good wrestler and really good on the mic. So seems like an interesting heel turn. Speaking about heels, Chris, uh, we had one of my favorite matches of the weekend. Uh, Cody with Brandy Rhodes defeated Kenny Omega. Uh, just I love that Cody's eyes so messed up from whatever hit him that it's like a different color. Like there's blood, basically, I can tell like blood vessels that are popped, but it makes him look that much more evil and twisted. He's got like this Joker face to him that's like very hard to do. I think my favorite spot of the night was when Kenny went for a V-trigger to Cody. Brandy's on the ropes behind him. Cody ducks out of the way, doesn't know Brandy's behind her, and gets a V-trigger right to the face. And it connected because they went for the replay. Not too much, but enough to like hit her a little bit in the face. She fell off through a table, um, and of all people, uh, Flip Gordon, for the third time tonight, coming out there and saving her. Um, Cody didn't act like he cared at all. I don't know if he was pretending he didn't notice or anything like that. But inevitably, when the Young Bucks came to save Kenny, they got in the ring, went to super kick, uh, uh, which we call Cody in the face. Cody moved out of the way again. This time, Kenny got it right in the face. One, two, three. Cody wins. The Bullet Club's fine. <laughs> but uh, Brady also, Chris, to let you know, um, went online and said that she, since she took a V-trigger, she wants to be a part of the Bullet Club, that she's sick of it. And Cody said that he would uh, put his best word in for her. So I just I – <laughs> his, I know that he was going against Kenny, and Kenny is amazing. But I think – I really think that Cody's getting damn good in ring, and he's also becoming one of the best heels to me, in the industry right now. Like, I mean, hated by people. Like, he's up there with Sammy Callahan, Tommaso Ciampa, and The Miz. Like, those to me are the four heels that – well, actually, The Miz is liked. It's hard, to, it's hard to dislike The Miz, but you get what I'm saying. Chris, how did you like this match? And is the Bullet Club okay? The Bullet Club's okay, man. They're going to be fine. It's, not, it's all okay. It's all chill. Uh, no, the Bullet Club is not fine, obviously. Um, it made sense. Cody got the win here. Uh, there, it seems like they're saving Kenny Omega getting a win in New Japan. So it, it, it makes sense. I, I enjoyed what they did. I, I like the spot with Brandy Rhodes, um, Flip Gordon obviously coming out. So beautiful. He, he was a big part of the show. Um, and, and I think you're right. Cody Rhodes has probably more, I'm um, definitely more heel heat than anyone in Ring of Honor. Um, and when he carries that over to New Japan, I, I think that he is he is hated 
in a way. So I, I would definitely throw him up there with the top heels. But it, it was definitely an interesting match and uh, a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Uh, before I go to the last match, is it just me or did Cody come out and attack Kota Bushi after his match with Adam Page? Or am I going crazy? I honestly, I would have to go back and watch it again. So much, so much wrestling, so much friggin' wrestling. I watch. It was All so right. much wrestling with uh, Ring Honor, Lucha, <laughs> NXT, WrestleMania. Um, you know, there was a lot, a lot to go over. Uh, so if we miss something or you guys think we didn't cover it well enough, please keep in mind that we watched almost 30 hours of wrestling this weekend. Please. <laughs> sometimes, things, sometimes things twice, like on WrestleMania, because I fell asleep, because it fucking went on forever. But we'll get there. All right, uh, last match. Dalton Castle defeated Marty Skrull. I thought this was a good match. I'm not that big of a Dalton Castle fan. I need to see more of him. I think that he's a very interesting character, but... It's not as flamboyant or his or, or anything like that. That doesn't bother me. I just his voice kind of irritates the shit out of me. Like his 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 mannerisms. And I love Marty and I was hoping that he'd get the damn title. And he didn't, which is fine. I mean we still got a thirty one minute you know fucking match uh from them. So I was happy to see that and uh yeah man, Marty also is another one of those guys. As far as he might not have heat but doing heelish shit during the match, he's pretty up there too. How'd you like this match for the ROH World Championship? I think Marty, his character is likable. Like the concept of the villain with the umbrella and uh, just kind of the way he comes to the ring. I think people like him because of that. Uh, But when he steps into the ring, he is able to channel this Arn Anderson type heel where he's doing very mean shit to the opponent, (laughs) whether it's like, he's not actually cheating, so to speak, but he is just giving them an absolute ass weapon. And uh, specifically with the way he will pick a specific limb or a specific uh, finger or toe or whatever the hell he can get a hold of and just try to rip it apart um, gives a lot to his character and and definitely shows how good of a heel he is in the ring. Um, He's in a weird spot because the Bullet Club in general is in a weird spot. And and obviously New Japan is different than um, any other federation as far as what your typical heel would be. Uh, But I think he's playing that character great. I really enjoyed the match. I do like Dalton Castle a lot. I think there is um, some more things he can do with his character. He's definitely going for... Definitely going for a you know androgynous character similar to like Gorgeous George or even Ric Flair to an extent. Uh, but he's he's definitely like a, a fan favorite. I know he's said that like you know some of his Maybe. influences for the character is David Bowie and like Freddie Mercury. Uh, I got it's like, a, cool. like a, a non a not fat Adrian Adonis almost. Like he likes to be glamorous. Um, Heelish. Well, not really heelish. I don't know. Maybe Adrian Street's a better person. Never mind. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, I could see Adrian Street as well. Uh, but I, I like I like him. I like his character a lot. Um, certain things I don't like about him in the ring, but I think he's a good champion right now for what they need. They have plenty of heels for him to go against. They can circle in and out. Um, and I thought the match itself was, was pretty damn good between those two. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I really had to say 
say about it. I, I, I as far as Dalton Castle goes, I, I hope he never does like the anchors away, the diving headbutt again. I'm not, I'm just not a huge fan of that move in wrestling anymore. Just seeing how many people have gotten hurt doing it, their careers. It's just kind of one of those things where it's, which I don't know if that's his current finish or not at this point, but it, that's the only negative thing I would really have to say about Dalton Castle, but I, I enjoyed the match. It, like I said, it was really, really hard for anyone to do anything after that, <laughs> that uh, six man championship match with the ladder match itself yeah. was just so damn good. Um, it almost took the breath away from the rest of the show, which is, it's not, you know, that's stealing the show. And sometimes that happens, but I, I think everyone that went on after had good matches. It's just uh, hard for me to catch my breath after that. And then, when I watched this, I had just watched NXT TakeOver as well. So this is definitely one I need to go back and watch again. So, Jesus. <laughs> it was a, uh, hey, better, better, was a big day for me. Better uh, ladder match. Uh, the North American title or the three-man or the three man tag in, for Ring of Honor? Which one did you I'm going to go to the three-man tag, um, even though I really did like uh, the North American tag match. I just – the, the three-man tag seemed a little bit tighter in spots. Yeah. Uh, whenever you get as many bodies as you had in NXT in the ring, it, it, it the match is going to have different pacing and it's going to be slower and in different spots. But I, I did really enjoy that match, which I'm sure we'll get to, but it, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, a, this, I like, I preferred the ring of honor match better. Um, but they were no, both great fair. matches. And so. I mean, I mean, this is the ring of honor part of all this. So we better have the ring of honor. No, I'm just kidding. We say what we say and believe, okay? Um, I think the only reason I really wanted Mari to win, Chris, was because I think it would – well, besides I'm a huge fan, I mean, like you said, like he goes – he can go from being like an Arn Anderson to like doing some, some Piper-esque shit, like kicking them in the head and stuff like that and tricking them. I love it when he says like, super kick, just kidding, and then hits him in the stomach. That stuff is hilarious. Uh, but it would have caused a lot in the storyline of what's going on with Bullet Club because now Cody's best buddy Marty has the title that he lost to Dalton Castle. So I think it would have caused a little bit of coolness. But regardless, we need to end this because, guys, we have another show. Yeah, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania. We're going to be talking about TakeOver. We're going to be talking about the Raptor Mania, SmackDown. Go over that whole entire recap in just six minutes. So just hold right there. I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Chris, Christopher, I should say, the fallen angel Daniels. And, uh, yeah, stick around for the next two hours of our show. You ready to do this, Chris? I'm going to go uh, grab a martini. Yeah, sounds good, man. I, I think I need a beer myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I will talk to you soon, sir. Sounds good. <laughs> 